You are listening to Seattle Growth Podcast, available free on iTunes. I think they're on the verge of a just a generationally bad, terrible mistake. That's today's guest, Jason Finn, drummer for the platinum-selling, Grammy-nominated band, Presidents of the United States of America. I'm Jeff Shulman, and today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast continues a multi-episode look at recent developments that could shape Seattle's music scene, sports scene, and its central core, Seattle Center. Last week's episode featured two Seattle investors in Chris Hansen's group seeking to build an NBA-ready arena in the Soto neighborhood, and the group also proposed to subdivide Seattle Center's key arena into indoor and outdoor music venues. In the episode, you heard from championship-winning Sonics player and former Sonics executive Wally Walker. We kept hearing, oh, if there's a Soto arena, then the Seattle Center and the key arena is going to be a white elephant. And we thought, well, listen, we care about Seattle Center, too. So to come up with an alternative, we had uh, arena architects, uh, world-renowned uh, HOK, try to come up with a concept that would be good for the community. So they came up with this great design for two different concert venues, one to seat 6,200 people inside, and on the other side, facing the International Fountain, an amphitheater seating 3,000 would open to the outside during the summer. You heard from the co-president of Nordstrom, a lot, of, a lot has changed just since the Sonics were even here. I mean, the, it's grown a lot, and uh, and the music uh, industry's changed a ton. You know, but I think it just it creates more options of where to be able to consume live music. And right now, it's a pretty unsatisfactory experience to, you know, put a show into something like a key arena that you can get you know, 15, 16, 17, 18,000 people, and yet you're only going to sell 6,000 tickets. I mean, it's... You know, it just doesn't feel great to have that stuff roped off or curtained off, however they do it. Um, it's always a better situation to kind of fill up a room. And you also heard from musician Ben London, who performs in the band Stag with Pete Nordstrom. The other thing is that we don't have any place to view to really uh, of size to enjoy music outdoors here in Seattle at this point. After the pier closed, that's gone away. So you have to drive out to Marimore or to the Chateau Saint-Michel or White River or any of these places. So to have something center city where you could have an outdoor music experience would be incredibly uh, popular for artists. Recently, 33 members of Seattle's music community signed a letter in support of Chris Hansen's proposal. Since season four of Seattle Growth Podcast will examine the past, present, and future of Seattle's music scene, I set out to hear more depth on why members of the music community are weighing in on the arena debate. To hear one such perspective, join me as I sit down with Jason Finn. I am here with Jason Finn, the drummer for the platinum-selling, Grammy-nominated band Presidents of the United States right here out of Seattle. Jason, thank you for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. Good times. So why don't we start by just hearing about your experience playing music here in Seattle. Where have you played in your decades of performing? Oh, geez, I don't know. Uh, uh, probably if you're listening from inside somewhere, uh, I've played in that room. Basement house parties, uh, all the tiniest little bars, all the biggest bars, all the littlest clubs, all the biggest clubs, uh, right on up to uh, some of the arenas even. Um, our last Bumbershoot performance was in the Key Arena. Um, strangely with uh, Ray LaMontagne was the guy that we were paired with. It was very strange. <laughs> uh, I'm a fan, but it just it seemed like an odd, an, an odd pairing. But they were, uh, you know how Bumbershoot is. Sometimes they're just like, move them through, move them in, move them out. Band A, band B, band B. What is the feeling you get when you take a stage and you see the crowd getting excited about the music that you've created? 
Well, it's an endorphin rush. It, it, I mean, speaking for myself, it, 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 it's it's the look. It, it, touring is is. I don't want to sound like I'm complaining because we've been very lucky to 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 be able to to tour for many many years. But it's it's kind of tough. You you kind of the, the the travel is hard, and you're kind of simultaneously always have to be somewhere and never have anything to do. For 23 hours every day it's like it's like this exhausting sort of push me pull you thing but then there you have that one hour of performance a, a night which is just cathartic in in every way i mean it's it's a it's a very palpable uh connection with a bunch of people that are enjoying what you're doing and and it just it, it it's uh, in fact it probably feels very similar for for athletes um i i imagine you go out there and you play and your home crowd cheers you and and uh you know the performer scratching a, an audience's back and vice versa there's now a couple proposals for what to do with Key Arena, whether it's a, a sports and entertainment complex that has NHL, professional basketball and concerts, or maybe subdivided into two different concert venues, indoor and then uh, indoor-outdoor amphitheater. You've signed on to a letter that supports one of them. Tell me which one and give me a little bit of understanding of why you signed on to that letter. Yeah, okay. Let me, let me, uh, let me clarify that a little bit. Um, there are pretty, basically, there are two competing groups that both want to build a, a, a building for uh, NHL and NBA teams. Um, one of which, the OFU group, wants to renovate the existing key arena into a sort of a, 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 a newer version of itself, just a, 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 a big one-stop arena that's, that would accommodate both teams and, and uh, according to Oakview Group, uh, become a Live Nation exclusive um, concert venue hosting 50 to 60 concerts a year. Which sounds uh, pretty optimistic to me, but but that's that's not the group that I'm <laughs> that I'm in favor of. The other group is uh, uh, has been around for about five years. A, a guy named um, Chris Hansen has been uh, trying to develop a project to build a building in in Soto in the in in what we call the Arena District, you know, right by CenturyLink and, and Safeco there to build a third uh, sports building down there that would that would host an NBA and NHL team. And uh, as sort of a sweetener to that deal, he's also offering, in addition to, to, to privately funding that building, he would also offer to, 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 to rebuild and pay for um, renovating Key Arena as it is into a standalone music venue, which would be scaled, which would be sort of a three-part uh, venue. It would have a 6,000-seat uh, uh, coliseum and a 3,000-seat outdoor outdoor amphitheater and a 500 seat uh, 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 seated theater so it would be kind of a cool uh, what we call a scaled venue and uh, uh, not be exclusive to uh, any any particular promoter such as Live Nation or AAG and so you've signed on in support you've joined how many other musicians do you remember oh I don't know um, here's what happened I like like many people who are sort of paying attention but not really paying attention I thought that the OVG, the OFU group, um, the guys renovating that want to renovate Key Arena, I thought it was a done deal. I thought that they had won the won the battle, and and their plan was just was just gonna gonna be the law of the land, and uh, that the Hanson group was just was just done. But uh, you know, just just uh, about a month ago, uh, I was invited to a meeting where. Basically, I was told differently. I was, I was, uh, but some representatives from Hanson's people were there, and they they explained the new, the latest version of their proposal to me and a bunch of other music guys. And we, 
uh, at the, a couple days after that signed on to the to this letter, which is basically saying that we support um, uh, Chris's efforts and that we think that his vision for a, a music venue there in Seattle Center uh, is a cool and interesting idea and, and probably more suited to the future of, of the concert industry in general than than just another uh, arena, let alone a, a, an arena that is exclusive to one of two competing uh, promoter chains. What about the future of music makes you think that the subdivided key arena might be better than the larger renovation? Glad you asked, Jeff. Uh, The number of touring acts that sell that many tickets is not going to go up from here year to year. It's going to go down. There are very few sort of uh, mega headliners around still. When U2 and Brent Springsteen stop touring, there's hardly going to be any. Jay-Z's tour is tanking right now. Katy Perry's tour is tanking right now. Last year, Lady Gaga's tour tanked. Uh, everybody except uh, 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 Taylor Swift, basically, is... I, I, I don't, don't want to say... By tanking, I mean... They're not selling out. They're offering discount tickets late. Um, there's just, there are less, uh, to, to put it, there are less headliners. If you, look at, if you look at the last couple, three bumper shoots, look at all of their headliners. Look at any, actually, actually pick your favorite music festival. If it's Sasquatch, Bumbershoot, um, uh, uh, Coachella, Bonnaroo, whatever. Look at the headliners. These are not Springsteens and U2s. These are these are a bunch of people that sell about six thousand tickets. They're, they're, that's that's who, in this new music industry where less records are sold. There are more choices than ever before, and people are listening to more stuff, and it's glorious. There there are going to be I I, I imagine a, a revamped Key Arena that is called something else, obviously, um, where the six thousand capacity uh, uh, venue is used you know 60 times a year and the three and the during the summer the 3000 uh seat outdoor amphitheater is used every weekend twice and the small one obviously uh maybe a couple times a week who who knows there's just going to be more available um i know that was super long-winded but I, i'm i'm just saying that there's only so many acts that sell the the 13000 or more tickets that you need to 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 really utilize an arena space and most of them tour d- during the summer where they prefer to play outdoors, where they'd rather play the Gorge or San Michelle or Marymore. So talk about this outdoor amphitheater. What could, what do you think that could mean to the city of Seattle or to music fans or to artists? Well, as I, as I said, I mean, we, we, we know that we have, uh, we have one of the best cities in the world, particularly during the summer. Uh, people love it. People come here from all over the place. Tourism's a... A, a big piece of our puzzle, and uh, uh, just just Bumbershoot to name one. If they, it's already at Seattle Center. If they if they hub it around uh, a, a brand new world class triple venue that's just like shooting one two three one two three one two three one two three all day, that sounds more like it's an opportunity programming wise. To say nothing of uh, Seattle Center in general, which maybe could use a little shot in the arm. What do you see as some of the benefits of an indoor outdoor amphitheater? I see. Well, I think the the modern way to build, uh, particularly public spaces, and that's what this would be. This would still be a city owned asset. Is to make them flexible. I've we we've played at many places like that all over Europe. Uh, uh, there's one in in uh, uh, 
oh, shoot, I think it's Groningen in, in the Netherlands. That is, that's almost exactly like the one they're talking about building here. That it's just a, it's got a variety of 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 rooms that kind of you, you you're as 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 the artist you're kind of in the middle like you drive your vehicle into the middle of this building and then there are various directions you can go like uh um like at Willy Wonka's factory and then you can open up various doors and you're in these these different size um uh venues but uh yeah I think it's I think going forward the future it's about flexibility it's about it's about being able to uh you know, you you booked the weekend and you were going to sell 6,000 tickets, but something happened and you only sold 2,500, so you just moved to the other room. Now, in this case, that might be tough during the winter if it was uh, if it was cold out, but but you you see what I'm saying? Um it's just much more useful than just having one big empty room that can either have a basketball game or a Taylor Swift concert. And what was it like performing in a amphitheater versus indoors? It's fine. I mean, if you look at a crowd, a, a, a capacity crowd of 500 people in a club, that's very satisfying and awesome. And if you look at the same, if you look at a festival crowd of, of 35,000, um, it's it's obviously still very exciting, but your brain is not, it's, it's the same endorphin that, that, that as a performer, performer that you're getting. It's not like, wow, this this is... Uh, this thirty thousand capacity, uh, this thirty thousand crowd is fifteen percent more exciting than the twenty thousand percent, twenty thousand crowd we played for for last week. That's not the way it works. Um, b- bigger is not better. Uh, and geez, for us, you're asking the wrong guy. I mean, we've we've only been rock stars that big for a couple months out of our twenty five year existence. So you know, we're 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 much more of a of a showbox band. If you had to distill down into to what has inspired you to sign that letter and to be willing to talk about your preference for a Soto Arena and a mixed-use key arena uh, divided amphitheater. So I signed the letter because I thought that it was over and the, 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 an idea that didn't really inspire me was, was just going to happen. And then I found out about the, the, the Hanson Group had effectively, their, their original motion of understanding had kind of stalled in the council and kind of been rejected. So they had pulled it, looked at it, revamped it, taken out every penny of public subsidy money and, and represented it as a completely privately funded uh, uh, building in Soto, along with just adding, saying to, the, saying to the city, oh, you're having a problem with the key arena and that's what you like about this other plan? Here, we'll help you with that too. We'll also pay to redo that in another way. Um, uh, not as a sports arena, but as a really cool, forward-thinking, uh, uh, tiered musical arena. Uh, sorry, musical venue. Uh, it's just it's just a much better idea, and it, it was just obvious to to sign that letter that somebody else had already written. I mean, uh, it, it, if it had been upon me to write the letter, uh, I'd still be writing it, and and, and uh, 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 everyone would be waiting with their pens. Like, Jason, can you finish the letter so that we can sign it? Um, also call me, call me crazy, but I'm, I'm a little bit of a nerd for city planning. And I think that the decisions we make about how we move people around this city are important. And they're already, we, we've made so many mistakes, um, over the years. We literally, we literally turned down a billion federal dollars in the sixties that they, they wanted to just give us to build a rail system. And they, they said, you don't want it? And we said, no, we don't want it. And so they gave it to San Francisco and they built a little something called the BART system. 
So I, I get animated about this because it's true and it's serious and it's and, and you can't really take it back. This stuff takes years to build and if you build it wrong, you're screwing it up. This tunnel is going to open eventually in another year. This two-lane tolled tunnel that has no downtown exits is going to open and it's going to sh- one end of it is going to shoot right out into the Mercer interchange that they've rebuilt which appears to be moving slower now than before they rebuilt it. So right into the teeth of that, they want to put a multi-sport arena that is going to have, well, with the two teams, 80 home games a year with, you know, 20,000 people moving right into that stalled crowd uh, uh, that, that many times a year. This seems insane to me when you could be building a building that's on the train line. You and I both go to Sounders games. We've seen each other at Sounders games. I take the train there. It's awesome. Right? Fun, right? Crowded trains, sure, but you're all wearing your soccer stuff and you're all singing singing the songs or whatever. This is just like a real city. This is how they do it in Chicago. And this is how they, this is how you go to, uh, to go see a Mets game in Queens, you know? Um, if the Sonics or an NHL team arrive here in Seattle, will you be trying to go to games? Uh, it depends. If the Oakview group is in charge, I may be too angry for a couple of years to go. And I certainly am not going to jump in the car and try to drive down Denny to 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 a revamped key arena because um, that's going to take me all day. I live here on Capitol Hill. I mean, I might as, I might as well just walk and I'm getting too old to, to, to walk that far. So, you know, uh, if on the other hand, we pull a rabbit out of a hat and we get our, our incoming mayor and our city council to, to at least read the Hanson proposal and sort of come to their senses on that. I will weep tears of joy on opening night of either one of those sports, particularly the hockey team, because I don't know anything about hockey. I don't understand hockey, and I want to learn. Any concluding thoughts? Um, just this thing is not quite over, and it's something that we can we can help with. Sorry to prolong this, but yeah. you're you're waving your hands, you're banging the table, you're passionate. You've been to. I am banging stuff on the table. <laughs> you went because I am passionate. You went to a city council meeting. Yeah. Real barn burner, those too. Woo! Yeah. Help distill for somebody who might not be as passionate as you on this issue to, to go through all that and to get so animated. Where's the passion from? I'll say it again. I think they're on the verge of a just a generationally bad, terrible mistake. They're, 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 they're just making a, a, a fundamental error in, uh, in the way that we ought to be maximizing the efficiency with which we move people back and forth across this city, where we move people from their jobs to their homes and back to their jobs and to their homes and to their leisure events and to their homes, okay? Um, to, to, to pour more and more and more assets into one central location that has, in the, in the decades since the Sonics left, a thousand people a week have moved to this city, and one of the biggest companies on the planet has set up shop just just right next door to him. It just it, it just it boggles my mind that they are thinking about just putting all all the all the dice in in that one little rowboat there. It just there's no room for it now, and it's just going to be it's going to be an, an, a, a, it's just going to be a, a Mardi Gras like crowd every every single uh, 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 event night, and um, we're all just going to pay the price, and it's going to be too late at that point. Jason, thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate your time and perspective. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Next, join me as I speak with David Minert, who's Onto Entertainment manages platinum-selling musicians, the Lumineers. 
I am here with David Minert, a Seattle entrepreneur well-known as a leader in the local music and nightlife industry. David, thank you for joining me today. Great. Hi. Nice to uh, see you. Uh, so why don't you start by telling me a little bit about yourself? Um, well, I'm a pretty much lifelong Puget Sound area resident. Um, grew up in Normandy Park, lived in Seattle since uh, 1990, and um, but went to school at Western and just been all over around here. Um, worked in the music business since 1990-ish. Um, and, uh, you know, anything from booking clubs to managing small bands, uh, to starting a music festival, working on festivals like Bumbershoot, and then, um, managing the Lumineers who are doing quite well right now. So tell me about your work organizing the Capitol Hill block party, which is one of the music events you talked about. Yeah. Well, one of my partners, Marcus Charles and I, um, took that over. It was a fledgling little kind of one stage free one block event. And we can, turned it into something that was 12,000 people a day over three days. And, um, yeah, it was just booking and promoting and marketing, dealing with the city and all those issues and the neighbors, but turned into a really successful, uh, thing, which I, we then sold a few years ago, um, to move on to other projects. And what other projects have you moved on to? Um, opened up a bunch of, uh, restaurants and bars, um, and also, uh, started a company that just does the concessions for places like Marymore Park, um, the Showbox venues and Bumbershoot. So you also said you, you manage the Lumineers through, you're the owner of Onto Entertainment. Tell me a little bit about that. So Onto is a company we started, um, in, I think 2009, um, and we started it to, um, develop local bands or smaller bands and uh, we've managed a few different bands but the one that's really taken off huge is the Lumineers uh, we signed them before they'd put out a record or anything and help make those records and um, it's a cool company I have a, I have a partner uh, Brent Stifel and then Kristen uh, kind of runs the day-to-day operation so and so you're involved in the music scene. You know, you've got Capitol Hill Block Party. You've got Onto Entertainment. You're, you're working with uh, several night, nightclubs and venues where musicians play. What are your thoughts on the current options for live music consumption here in Seattle? Well, we have a big hole in the Seattle market. So we have a lot of great venues from, you know, 200 people up to 1,800 people. Uh, 1800 being the showbox and those are a lot of full-time venues very cool venues from numos the, the showbox both venues are obviously really great um, but then it kind of stops until you get to key arena um, which is a bummer in a in a big music market like this so we miss out on a ton of uh, bands that are kind of from the 2000 to 8000 level um, market and and those go to a lot of times during the summer, they go to Marymore Park or San Michel uh, Winery, um, but outside the city. Um, and then even the, the shows that come into the city, uh, come into the market that are bigger shows, go to like the Tacoma Dome because even Key Arena is not a great venue, to be honest. Um, it's kind of an old, outdated uh, venue for concerts. So. so help me visualize. So we've got, you've, you've described it in terms of seat numbers. What kind of bands are well-suited or bands that people have heard of where in their life cycle were they well-suited here in Seattle and, and who are we missing out on? Well, I, I think if you, you know, looking at Marymore Park's lineup, which is a great lineup, 
um, you, you can see the bands that play there and don't play in the city, right? So it's not like it's super far outside the city, but it's not in the city and the city loses the tax revenue as well. So anywhere from the shins to um, back, um, all, you know, all across that range, there's a pop acts that play there. Um, I just think anything in that three to three to six thousand capacity range where we really have a hole in the market. You've talked about how music lovers who want to see bands in that range have to maybe head to Marymore Park. What about local artists? What is there any impact on them? Um, well, I think you know bands like the Shins or uh, that level of band. It, it definitely impacts them as well if they want to play in their hometown. Um, I think, you know, also a lot of those shows have local artists opening sometimes, not all the time, but, and that takes away those opportunities as well. So how has the options to consume live music changed over the last maybe five years or 10 years? Well, I think, I think the city's growing. So there's just more people. Um, but I don't think Seattle's ever had great options in, in that range. I mean, above 1800, we have the Paramount Theater, which is a beautiful theater, really great, but it's only part-time available for live music because they do so many um, theater shows. And so we've always had this kind of hole and, and, and really haven't filled it, unlike other cities. So say a city like Nashville just built a 7,000 capacity outdoor venue um, right in the middle of the city, right downtown. Uh, Denver has um, a 7,000 capacity venue in the city, has Red Rocks just I mean, in the city, but just outside of downtown um, in a 9,000 capacity venue. They also have Fiddler's Green, which is 17,000 capacity venue and Pepsi Center, which is 18, I think. And so you look at a, a markets like Nashville and Denver that have so many options, places to play, so many options. The music scenes are obviously thriving. But at the same time, Seattle um, City Council and mayor like to say that this is a music city and music's a priority. But we're never going to have a music scene like Denver and Nashville or Austin without venues. And we don't have the venues right now. And so you've mentioned we, there's a, a hole, you, you believe, in kind of this mid-range. Is Seattle doing really well at kind of the smaller side? Or are we seeing changes in that over the last couple I think, of years? I think we're doing well at the smaller side. I mean, you know, we have venues like Barboza and like the Crocodile, uh, Chop Suey. Um, than the Neptune and the, and the show boxes. I mean, so you, you have multiple, I mean, venues in Ballard, there's there's a, a bunch in the smaller range. And I think we've done well with that. I think, you know, we're probably missing out some in in the very small range and the, the 100 to 200 like we used to have. Um, those are harder to do in, in this market because rent's so expensive. But but generally, we're doing pretty good in that that area. So now there's two options presented to the city that could have an impact on music fans. You've got one group wanting to renovate Key Arena into a world-class sports and entertainment complex. So it would have concerts, hockey, and then uh, hopefully basketball. Uh, and then there's another group trying to build a sports and entertainment complex down in Soto while renovating Key Arena into two different theaters, one that's 6,200 indoor, 3,000 uh, seat outdoor amphitheater, and then a 500 seat theater. What are your thoughts on these two proposals? Well, a lot. First of all, I think Seattle Center, I've worked at for years working on Bumbershoot. I think I started consulting on Bumbershoot in 1994. So I'm super familiar with that venue and that neighborhood. Um, I own Big Mario's Pizza, which is in that neighborhood. I lived in that neighborhood, and I've been going to Bumbershoot since I was like 13 when I was used to sneak in. 
that area has developed into a theater district, and it's a really important district. I was helped to bring CIF, Seattle International Film Festival offices there, Vera Projects there, KXP's there, and the Northwest Rooms. Those are all threatened by um, the OVG plan for remodeling Key Arena. Um, it's going to take away open space from them that's really key to them being there and was key to them moving there. So first of all, I think that it, it's kind of like, it, it, it's like, it's not just like the 900 pound elephant in the room. It's like the 900 pound elephant shit in the room. And nobody wants to talk about it in the city because they feel like they need money to revamp the arena and this is their only option. But when I look at having lived there and done business there and, and seen arts and music there, I look at doing uh, an NHL arena in that neighborhood and it makes no sense to me. It culturally conflicts with the theater district and the other things we built up there. It hurts events like Folk Life and Bumbershoot. And these are huge things to the city. I mean, we talk about Seattle Center as our living room, but we're going to put another major venue right in the middle of it, which doesn't fit in the living room. I mean, it, it's just, it's kind of crazy to me on that level. Now you counter that with Chris Hansen's plan for Key Arena, where you get three new venues and venues that fit the footprint better, uh, the footprint being the whole neighborhood and Seattle Center, that can, instead of squashing things like SIF and Vera and KXP and the theaters and Bumbershoot works with them and is integrated into that. So now you have Bumbershoot having, you know, two or three new performance spaces. You have SIF being able to use the 500 seat theater to do shows. Um, you know, you have another venue to do uh, theater productions. Uh, you have an outdoor concert series that happens all summer long. Um, so it's, it'd be like Marymore. Um, which we don't have in the center city. I mean, the zoo does something that would be a little bit smaller, but we don't have something that's that three to 5,000 uh, capacity range. And we haven't since the Pier 62, 63 shutdown. So you bring, by doing Chris Hansen's plan, you bring in far more music and arts. Um, you do something that fits the environment better. And you also have an independent place so it, a live nation's not going to run it aeg is not going to run it um someone will have to kind of manage it but we could use someone local like stg to do that um and who could also bring in more arts and i think you just have a way better thing uh for the city and at the same time you still get an arena for pro sports and big concerts but it's in Soto where you have better transportation options. Can you describe why or how you think a sports and entertainment complex in Seattle Center would be disrupting to the, the arts and theaters around it? Well, I, I think that, one, there's a lack of parking um, in that neighborhood. So when the Sonics used to play there, and I was a huge Sonics fan, I still am. Uh, I remember watching them win the you know national championship. It was amazing. Um, when I was a kid. Um, and I just think that that neighborhood's changed so much. The density's increased. There used to be tons of uh, surface parking lots that were open, that were available for parking during games. Um, now you don't have that. It, most of that stuff's built or is going to be built. Um, 
and I think it's just traffic getting there is really bad. So I think on that level, on just mobility issues, there's a ton. But I also think culturally, look, I'm a big sports fan. I love to go to NBA games. I love to go to NFL games. But there is a cultural difference between, um, say, SIF and Vera and KXP and the opera and um, other theater places that are there and NHL fans. And there's lots of crossover there, but there also is just a, it's just culturally different. And we plan for that in the city. I mean, as a city, we were really smart and we said, hey, we're going to create a theater district around Seattle Center. And then in Soto, we're going to create a stadium district. And, and culturally, you kind of have these two different things and it, it's a great plan. And so it makes sense to put an arena in the stadium district and not so much sense to put an arena in the theater district. Given your comments on the the two different proposals for what could happen to Key Arena, what do you think either proposal or your preferred proposal would mean to everyday people in Seattle? My preferred proposal, if it went through, would be a great world-class venue in Soto for concerts, NHL, and NBA. And unlike the Key, could actually get an NBA team. So I think what you would have is you would have great big concerts you would have an nba team and an nhl team and then you'd have three new venues at seattle center that would enhance folk life would enhance bumbershoot would enhance kxp sif and vera project um and would have lots more great concerts in the city that right now don't come to the city um you'd also have more money coming to the city um it's ironic to me that right now there's a huge argument in city council about homelessness funding and they want to do something that's you know 10 million dollars a year raise taxes of some kind but at the same time they're turning around saying we're going to give 10 million dollars a year to um, ovg to do key arena it's like how about this how about we let someone who wants to do it all pay for it all do it and we don't raise taxes and we use that money to cure to fix homelessness i don't know i'm kind of a pragmatist (laughs) seems like a good thing I don't know. (laughs) For the recording artist who's playing in that 100 to 200 person theater here in Seattle, trying to be the next Lumineers, do you think this has any effect on them? And if so, what is it? Well, sure. I think if you look at where the Lumineers come from out of Denver, Colorado, they came up in a music scene that was thriving. And part of what made that music scene thrive is the amazing amount of venues they have there. And so going out to shows in Denver is just something people do. I mean, People know that like when you play at Red Rocks, an artist that may do 6,000 people in another market are going to sell 9,000 tickets at Red Rocks um, because people just go to shows there more, but because they've learned to do it because there's so many more shows, because there's amazing venues. Seattle doesn't have that. So we, we pretend we're a music city, but our public policy is not pro-music. We've, we've gone from being anti-music in the 80s and early 90s to being kind of neutral on it. Um, everybody wants to claim they're pro music and arts, but they, but you, you see it by what they put into it. And we're not putting stuff into venues of that size, like other cities are. Any concluding thoughts? Um, go Sonics. All right, David, thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate your time and perspective today. Yeah, thanks. That is all for today's episode of Seattle growth podcast. Have an opinion to share. Please reach out to me on Twitter at prof Shulman or comment on the Seattle growth podcast, Facebook page. I've enjoyed seeing the discussion that continues online after the episodes. And stay subscribed to the podcast in iTunes so you don't miss a single episode. Season 4 of Seattle Growth Podcast is coming soon, 
and we'll explore the past, present, and future of the music scene in our growing city. You'll hear from musicians, music lovers, club owners, band managers, and more. In the meantime, I'm hoping to do another follow-up episode on the arena debate. Seattle Growth Podcast is all about sharing diverse perspectives on controversial issues that affect us all. I've been in touch with Oakview Group in hopes of sharing their perspective on the latest developments. And also, if you're a member of Seattle's music community who would like to see the Oakview Group proposal become a reality, I want to share your voice too. Reach out to me on Twitter or send me an email. Until next time, I'm Jeff Shulman, and I thank you for listening to Seattle Growth Podcast.